This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamecom slash donate. Thank you for listening. The text that was read came from 1 John, the fourth chapter, and the first through the fifth verse. I'll read it one more time so that we're all on the same page. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist of which you have heard that it is coming and now it is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. There are essentially two kingdoms that are at war. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. The kingdom of darkness represents everything that has gone wrong with our world. And it represents everything that is antithetical to the kingdom of light. And the kingdom of darkness also serves as the chief agent for every single problem and issue that you are facing in your life today. There are two kingdoms that are at war. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. As a pastor, I am often asked to field questions such as, if God is so good, then why does bad things happen to good people? I've also had to field questions such as, such as why does God allow bad people to get away with evil? Or probably some questions you have asked yourself, why does God allow suffering in the world. These are, my brothers and sisters, no doubt very good questions to ask. And we ask ourselves these questions, obviously, innocently. But the real answer is that God is not responsible for all the evil that we see in the world. God is not responsible for all that has gone wrong in our world. God is not responsible for the mass school shootings that have claimed the lives of innocent people. God is not responsible for the wars that are fought between nations. No. God is not responsible for the natural disasters that are caused by human negligence. God is not responsible for the sickness and the illness and the diseases that we see all around us. God is not responsible for slander and gossip and physical and verbal abuse. God is not responsible for all that has gone wrong in this world. Why? I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, there are two kingdoms that are at war. Yes, sir. The kingdom of darkness mm-hmm. versus the kingdom of light. And God is not responsible for all that has gone wrong in our world. We are. We are. We are the ones responsible because God himself gave us the spirit of 
truth back when we were in the Garden of Eden. There we were told to avoid the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you and I, we chose the path of disobedience and followed our own desires instead listening to the spirit of error that comes from the kingdom of darkness. Our desire to follow the promptings of the kingdom of darkness is what is responsible for all that has gone wrong in the world. However, however, God works all things together for our good in spite of all the evil in the world. God works all things together for our good in spite of you, in spite of me, and in spite of all the kingdom of darkness tries to do. God works all things together for our good. Somebody needed to hear that today. So there's a big war going on between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. But in spite of this knowledge, what you need to understand, my brothers and sisters, is no matter how powerful the kingdom of darkness may seem to be, it will always be inferior to the kingdom of light. But the battlefield of that powerful tension between these two kingdoms is going on in your minds, your hearts, and mine. And our everyday challenge is to try to discern which of these two kingdoms are warring with us now? This is our struggle. Every given moment of your life, which kingdom am I operating in? Mm -hmm. And so, to guide our discussion today, I'll be preaching a message I have titled, quite simply, The Overcomer. Let us pray. Father, we have now come to the preaching hour. Preach, Holy Spirit, preach. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The Bible is very clear in declaring that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what the Bible tells us. So according to the Apostle Paul, we are at war, but that war is really not against each other. Too often we tend to think that someone or the white man or the black man or the boss or the immigrant at the border, all of these different people that we think about, far too often we think that they are the obstacles and the challenges that we are facing in life. But from the very beginning, there has always been tension in interactions between God and people, people and people, people and themselves, people and the worldly systems around us, people and the spirit world. So if Paul is telling us that our fight is not against flesh and blood, it means that we are not quite clear who the enemy is that we are fighting. And if you don't really know who you are fighting, then you are powerless to overcome that enemy. So there's a war between the kingdom of light 
and the kingdom of darkness. And if this war is really not with each other, then my probing question to you is simply this. When you are fighting, when you are battling, when you are facing some kind of struggle and challenge in your life, whose side are you fighting on? Are you on the side of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of light? Or are you on the side of the kingdom of darkness? Because when you are fighting, when you are engaged in battle, believe me, you are waving the banner of one of these two kingdoms. So, do you know? And here's the other question. How can you know which one you're fighting for? Well, thankfully... The Apostle John helps us out in our text today. In the very first verse, John says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. In other words, there are spirits that have taken on the persona of prophets, and because it is hard for us to know who in the pulpit you can trust, because it's very difficult for us to know, then John says, test them. Not everyone is authorized to come and to talk to you about the word of God. Well. So John says, wait a second. There's a lot of false prophets that have gone out into the world. And if you are not careful, they look a lot like God. Hmm. So you've got to be careful. So, so John says, test the spirits. Well, how do you test them? John tells us. He says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ came is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming and is now already in the world. There it is. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Straightforward, simple. That's it. So the bottom line is this. If you're listening to this message, even right now, and you find that you are able to confess without apology or hesitation that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and walked among us and died on a cross, rose again from the grave, ascended into heaven, will come again as our righteous judge, then you know you are of the Spirit of God. On the other hand, if you're listening to this message or you know you are someone you know, cannot acknowledge this truth, then you already know what spirit you or they are of. It is really just that simple. And this simple test, my brothers and sisters, is fundamental in understanding why you may or may not be overcoming the various challenges that you are facing in your life. For you see, it says in verse 4, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But for this to make any sense to any of us, you need to understand the difference between authority and power. Now, let me make sure that you guys understand where I'm going with this message. I just told you that if you can confess Jesus Christ as Lord, that he came in the flesh, then you are of God. 
So if you are of the Spirit of God and you're still facing troubles and challenges in your life, then chances are maybe you have put aside your faith for a moment and chose to listen to another spirit. Because what you have will allow you inevitably to overcome any challenge unless you don't know that you have that authority. If you don't know that you have that power, and that authority, then chances are you might have laid it aside and now the devil says, whoa, I can run rampant in your life. And so you're living a life defeated, head hanging low, simply because you don't know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If you do not know this, then my brothers and sisters, troubles and trials may come in your life. Mountains so high, valleys so low that you think you can't get over this because you have no, nothing to offer. Brothers and sisters, if you hear nothing else in this message, hear this. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We use these scriptures a lot like cliches, and we, we just throw them out there whenever we want to get a rise out of the crowd. I want you to listen to me carefully. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And the only difference between you being able to overcome your challenges, your struggles, your circumstances, is whether or not you believe what I just told you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So let's talk a little bit about authority and power. When the word authority is used, it is always used in the context of rulership over certain territory. That territory is largely geographic. And when the word power is used, it's always about the use of force. That's the difference between authority and power. Authority is about rulership over territory. Power is about the use of force, right? So in order to you, for you to go up against any authority, you have to first recognize that they have laid claim to certain territory, and then you need to establish under whose authority and what authority you're going to make this challenge. Now, I liked, um, I don't know how many of you watched it, but I liked um, the movie Black Panther. And if you remember King T'Challa, he got the Black Panther and he was the king and he was amazing, right? He did amazing things and he got all of these fancy tools and he was just, you know, kingly. But then there was another guy they called Killmonger. And they captured him and they brought him and, and, and he stood in front of the council with all the kings and the elders and he says, I want a right to challenge you as king. And they were like, ha, 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 no, you can't. Until he did what? He showed them he was the cousin of King T'Challa. Which means that he comes from the line that gave him the right to challenge authority. You see, you can't just go up against authority. You have to have the right to challenge the authority. And that's what we are learning about here. So, so after now, you have established the right to challenge that authority. And if you have not seen the movie, you should see it. If you now have established the right to challenge that authority, then the next step is that you now have to exercise power to take that authority, which is why they had dressed up, and they went out into that water, you remember the movie, and they started to fight. You see, now that the authority was challenged, 
You now needed power to take that authority. So they had to fight. And of course, if you watch the movie, T'Challa lost the fight, and Killmonger became king. But then T'Challa came back, beat him up, and you know the story. So the point is, when it comes to the kingdom of darkness, the power that you need to take over and to challenge that authority which has taken claim to all that's going on in your life, you now need to fight with the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the power of his might. You see, this is what it says, why Paul says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. Now, now, I don't know if you caught it. It says, Paul says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. The in the Lord means that the authority has now established. But not only do you have the established in the Lord, right? The authority established in the Lord. Now you need to do what? <laughs> Fight in the power of his might. This is why. We are struggling all the time because we don't know our authority and we're trying to fight an enemy in our own strength. So there is the get authority and then there is the use that authority. I hope y'all are getting this. There is the get the authority and then there is the use that authority. So question church, how then do we get The authority, because unless you get the authority, you cannot fight because you have no power over the devil. You see, even the Garden of Eden had authority, but she did something with it. So, So here's what I want you to understand. When you become an overcomer, you have been given an authority. The authority of the believer, my brothers and sisters, is not some gimmick or a magic wand that you can pull out whenever you are in times of trouble. You know how Christians are. Every time something happens, oh, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Greater is he that is in me. That You all know how we use these words so flippantly and so easily. The devil laughs because he says, first of all, you're trying to use a power when you don't even know you got no authority. So you're coming up against a kingdom of darkness that even Eve, as close as she was to God, was powerless to defeat. You see this fruit? Look at it. Beautiful to make one wise. God knows in the day that you eat of that fruit, you shall be like God. Knowing the difference between good and evil. And when she saw it, she took and ate. Brothers and sisters, the devil hasn't changed his method. He knows that you don't even know your authority because when Adam was with her, all he had to say was, be gone. Be gone. Who do you think you're talking to? Be gone. But what are you saying? When the devil comes at you, mm. oh, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I wouldn't be scared of you. Mm. Put on the whole armor of God. Amen. Be strong in the Lord yeah. and in the power of his might. The believer's authority is a God-ordained privilege that flows out of your relationship and get this church, your position in Christ. I know you need to hear what I'm talking about. You see, because you are a confessed believer in Jesus Christ and you are a Christ 
follower, then you must expect and anticipate that challenges and tribulations will come into your life just because you have become a problem to the kingdom of darkness. Because of this, you will suffer. But the real questions for us now are, how do I defend myself in times of trouble? What tools do I have to deal with these unseen forces that seem to render me powerless? These forces that have taken my peace so that it's no longer well with my soul. How do I effectively appropriate what the Bible says I have in order to deal with my adversaries? How do I overcome? There are three main points that I'm going to leave you with today, very quickly. The first is authority forfeited. Authority forfeited. As I said before, in the book of Genesis, when God created Adam and Eve, he placed them in a position of authority over the rest of his creation. This authority is described in the notions of ruling, and subduing, which is found <clears throat> in Genesis, the first chapter. Listen carefully, church. I'm talking about authority. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth. Remember I told you authority is about certain territory, right? So God created man in his image, and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them, and blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Not my words, God's words. Being created in the image of God meant that you and I were designed to rule in the same manner that God does. This is important, church, because our dominion rule has to be a benefit to those who we are ruling over. This dominion assignment also involved the responsibility to exercise authority over the rest of God's creation. And that was done through the act of naming. Naming is one is more than just assigning a label to an object. In the biblical context, naming simply implies that whatever you can name, you have authority over. Whatever you can name, you can have authority over. So here it is. God created you. Church, listen to me. Here it is. God created you in his image. He gave you dominion power over all his earth, right? And you are walking around naming things with your authority, and creating relationships that are inappropriate. So you say you're a good-for-nothing when you talk to your child. You are naming your child as a lazy good-for-nothing with an authority that says you are created in the image of God. So the question is, not only are you now running around with an authority that you don't understand, you're using it and appropriating it in a way that is causing damage to the very thing and the very people that God has told you to take care of. How are you using your authority, church? How are you using your words and saying things that is causing more of an advantage for the kingdom of darkness than for the kingdom of light? Listen, 
Your words have power based on, on authority that you were given by being created in the image of God. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and to go with Satan, this resulted in a broken relationship that was expressed in shame and hiding. How many of you are feeling, don't raise your hands. How many of you are feeling shameful right now for something and are in hiding that you think no one knows? A life of struggle rooted in power domination rather than spiritual authority. Which of those sound more like you? Work experience as cursed toil rather than blessed stewardship. Brothers and sisters, if you're getting the kind of results that you don't want in life, it is simply because you have listened to the voice of something other than the one who gave you authority. Remember, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But let me move on. So Satan is so audacious that he would now steal your authority. See, see, to a certain degree, Satan now has figured out a way that he has taken your legal right to have dominion on the earth, and he has now, <laughs> he's, you've forfeited that authority, and here in simple language, <laughs> you guys, have, all of us, have given Satan power of attorney. Do you know what power of attorney means? Listen to what it means. This is authorization, we're talking about authority, authorization to represent or act on another's behalf in private affairs, business, or some legal matter, sometimes against the wishes of others. Have, you know you could give somebody power of attorney over all of your affairs, and they don't run it the way you want it run? That's what we've done to Satan. We've given him power of attorney. And, 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 and he is so audacious, Reverend, that with this authority that we gave him, he thought he could even use it on Jesus. He, he, he took Jesus up to this mountain, right? <laughs> he led Jesus up to this mountain, to a high place, and, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Y'all remember? And he said to him, hey, Jesus, I listen to the words. He says, I will give you all their authority and splendor. Listen to what Satan said to Jesus. I will give you all of their authority and splendor. It has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to. Luke 4, 5 through 7. Read it. I'm not making this up. Satan told Jesus, they've given me this authority and I can give it to anybody I want. Do you want it, Jesus? The only thing I need you to do, Jesus, is just bow down and worship me. He's got some nerve. <laughs> but here you see Satan, that the authority was not given to him by God, but by man. Think about that, church. We gave Satan an authority that was ours. And while all authority ultimately belongs to God, God gave us this authority, but he also gave us free will. And with that free will, we have now said, hey, we're going to forfeit this authority and we're going to make Satan power of attorney. God's character is always invitation and never one of control or manipulation. But that's the first point. Let me hurry on. The second point is authority in Christ. So, so we agree. We forfeited our authority. We gave it away to Satan. 
Now we've got to look at authority in, and Christ. So why did Jesus come? Jesus came teaching about the kingdom of God. That was his point. In fact, Jesus went about announcing the kingdom of God in a threefold ministry, where he says, number one, he preached and announced the kingdom. He did healings and he casted out demons. Look at what Jesus did in Luke 9. When Jesus had called the 12 together, listen to me carefully, he gave them power and authority. Are you hearing the words? To drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Satan works to keep people out of the kingdom of God by destroying our relationship with God. But when Jesus came, walked among us, was crucified and dead and buried, rose again on the third day. He ripped open the veil of the temple from the top to the bottom, effectively restoring that once broken relationship that we had with God. That's what Jesus did. And if that was all Jesus did, Eve, if that was all that Jesus did, that would have been great. But it was not all that he did. It didn't end there. You see, the crucifixion represented Christ taking punishment for our sins. I'm preaching the gospel. The, the, the resurrection represented Christ taking back that authority from Satan. But, <laughs> but the ascension to heaven represented Jesus' established authority over all rulers, powers, and dominions who are now positioned at his feet. <laughs> and, and, and this is what I want you to see. And this comes from Ephesians, the first chapter. And in, now this is the ascension. Now and in his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who dwells and fills everything in every way. And then you jump to Hebrews. But when this priest had offered for all time, one sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to make his footstool. So what am I saying, church? Jesus triumphed over his enemies at the cross. The crucifixion took our sin. The resurrection validated his claim of who he was. And the ascension positioned his authority. So the question then becomes, what did Jesus now do with that authority? You're going to learn something today. What did Jesus do with that authority? Which brings me to my third and final point. Authority and the Christ follower. What did Jesus do with that authority, church? He gave it away. He gave it away. You see, we, with this authority now, we become empowered to preach, to drive out demons, and to heal the sick. <laughs> when you invoke the name of Jesus... It is not a talisman or some kind of Aladdin lamp that you 
It, that's not how it works. The best part is when you have recovered this authority in your relationship with Christ, he has placed you now in a position based on his ascension. And watch it. Look at Ephesians 2. I want you all to get this. It says, but because of his great love for us. Yes. Ephesians 2 verse 4 to 6. God, who is rich in mercy, made us, me and you, alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us, me and you, up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. So what is the believer's authority? Here's a definition I have for you. It is the God-given right of rulership. Right? Bring it up, Nods. It is the God-given right of rulership rooted in a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ, whereby we superimpose the rules, order, and impact of God's kingdom over our world. Let me make plain language. You as a believer, God has given you an authority to use force. As a believer, God has given you the authority to use power and force. You don't believe me? So, 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 when you're, so with your God-given authority, when the day of evil comes, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Stand firm with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. That's why I prayed as I prayed today. Peace. Take up the shield of faith, which with you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the enemy. Every gossip, every slander, every word that comes, let it bounce off you like water off a duck. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Brothers and sisters, you are not powerless. You are not without authority and power to overcome. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if you've heard nothing in this message, believe that. Because unless you believe that, you will be giving your authority to Satan. And you have no power to do anything. So when these powers come up against you, because the kingdom of light is at war with the kingdom of darkness. But when those spirits come, raise your hand and say, no. No. No to feeling powerless because you cannot seem to control your natural fleshly desires. No to feeling paralyzed when you feel like you have no hope. No to feeling confused when you are not sure what to do. And when these powers try to block the advance of the kingdom of God, exert your authority as ambassadors of the kingdom of light because Christ overcame and in his name and in his charge, so can you. And if you walk in your authority, then you are an overcomer. For greater is he 
that is in you than he that is in the world. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.